Andrea Tessman. Yes, Kirk Buckner. Whenever you worry, what is the advice you give yourself? Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Almost as good as Bobby? No. 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 Bobby McFerrin, and one of the more unlikely number ones of all time. And this is an interesting one. When you proposed it last week, I was intrigued. And then I forgot something. You hate it? I hate acapella in general. I hate all of it. I hate glee. <laughs> I, I hate just these uppity white kids up there and just singing shitty songs. Now, granted, Bobby is not an uppity white kid. No. But I blame him for all of this. So it's his fault. It's really not his fault. But there, there is a lot to dissect on this. A lot of good, a lot of a little bit of bad. And yeah, I, this was somebody I didn't know that much about other than he was somebody who was already successful before this in his own genre. And is successful afterwards. I actually saw a news thing on him in 94 which coincided with the time he became a conductor here in San Francisco. So, which sort of like caught up to where he was and it was only six years removed. So it's like, think he's a one hit wonder, think again, or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but Bobby comes from, Bobby McFerrin comes from his musical talent so naturally, doesn't it? I didn't know this. Yeah, his dad was the first black person to ever grace the stage of the Met. Mm -hmm. As an like, opera singer, I believe. As an opera singer, yeah. He um, he won some contest and won a contract and figured that he'd never actually be on stage because he's Black. But yeah, he um, was a very successful opera singer. Um, he also voiced in Porgy and Bess, um, Sidney Poitier's When He's Singing. Mm -hmm. It's not Sidney Poitier. It's uh, Robert McFerrin. Don't tell Oprah. So, uh, yeah, so his father, renowned opera singer, his mother um, taught music, I believe, and also uh, was the soloist, I think, with their church choir or something like that. So also what, accomplished musician. I mean, what, what better student can you have in your own son? And, and it looks like he just took to it naturally as, as you, but you would never know it from this song. <laughs> In many ways. No, so he started out with piano mm -hmm. um, and he quit school to go become a musician. Um, and then he started, he started with the acapella thing and um, perfecting these really interesting vocal techniques where he will sing all over the map and sometimes without even overdubbing. Um, jumping from bass line to soprano lines and like just in back and forth and really, really technical and difficult vocal skills. Um, so that's really interesting. And he spent a lot of years um, kind of working on his vocal techniques. And then he scored a record deal when he was 32 or something like yeah. he was already getting old it took, it took a while for him to really uh sort of make it big but once he did 
uh, he was, he's like one of those guys who was probably going to all those parties. And then you wonder like, well, I wonder who this guy is because he certainly had a whole lot of A-list friends before anybody knew who Bobby McFerrin oh. was. He was, um, he was performing with the Marcellus brothers, like a whole ton of well-known jazz musicians. Um, he got, uh, I know it's taboo to say the, uh, the name, but Bill Cosby got him into a uh, very renowned jazz festival, which is kind of where he got his start. Um, Cosby also got him to do the season four. Yeah, so the, the theme in season four. Um, and yeah, and he was chumming with and performing with a ton of well-known, mostly jazz musicians, because that was kind of his, mm -hmm. his uh, style. And then he put this out. Well, the thing is also too, like before that, uh, did you see that he's already won five, five Grammys? Yep. For this point. One of them, <laughs> did you see who with? No. All right, let me bring that up because it's it's so fascinating. Uh, it's with Jack Nicholson. What? Yes. So he- I missed that. Yeah, so by this point, he already won best jazz vocal performance, uh, best vocal arrangement for two or more vo vo voices in 1985, Best Jazz Vocal Performance uh, on the soundtrack around midnight. I remember that movie. 1987, Best Jazz Vocal Performance Male for from, his, from an album that he did with Herbie Hancock. And Best Recording for Children, The Elephant's Child with Jack Nicholson. I totally did not I, pick that up. I was trying to think if I could do a Jack impression. And here's The Elephant's Child. <laughs> Yeah, that's really bad, I know. But you didn't come don't here for that, my please. impressions. Don't ever do that again. Please don't. Actually, my Jack Nicholson's a lot like my Clint Eastwood and my Lee Van Cleef and my Chuck Morris. Fair. Yeah. So he's won five Grammys, mm -hmm. mostly in jazz. Four to five. They put out an album that was going to be almost entirely covers and it was sort of a like Which let's was. try for okay. something a bit more mainstream mm -hmm. it ended up being about half covers and and half original um and that's where they put this flaming paper bag of dog turd <laughs> um <laughs> so this song on the one hand, you know what? It's campy and I kind of like it. It's a technically very difficult song that sounds very simple. Because mm -hmm. it's all a cappella. All of it. I mean, it's all, all in. I, I looked yeah. at the, not the liner notes, but just on the Wikipedia, uh, the people who, who performed on it. It's just him. Just him. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, like we talked about the Wrecking Crew a couple months ago. Yeah. And now we go from th from that to somebody this he did everything. His background voices so much so it's so lush as the what he does accomplish here. You don't even notice that there's no instruments. No. Nope. No, I never actually even 
clued into it until I was looking into this. Um, so it's an it's a novelty song through and through. Mm-hmm. It's a novelty song. One of the things that is terrible about it, but also makes it memorable, is his horrible fake accent. Well, that's what I can't figure out. Uh, well, there's a couple things I can't I couldn't figure out, and I was wondering if you could. Uh, you probably read like I did. He was going for something Spanish. And I think he's trying for like a Mexican sort of thing, but he got more of a Jamaican Caribbean right. sort of, but also that is really bad. So I was 16 when this came out or, or was going to be 16. I must have saw him in interviews because I don't ever remember thinking that this guy must have been from the Caribbean. So I, I must have heard him talk. Uh, so for those listening, he's from Manhattan. So he is definitely... Not and if you hear him talk, he very much sounds like he's from New York. Mm-hmm. Not like a New York, but like a... Sounds like Eastern a New York Amer- professor. Yeah. Like a New York he, intellectual, which he yeah. kind of is. He really is. Um, so, yeah, he, he sounds like he's from the Eastern States. Um, well-educated American person. So the song does itself, not sound Caribbean. No, uh, not at all. Uh, also, too, when you hear that, and if that's your only thing of Bobby McFerrin that you know, you don't realize what an incredible vocalist he is because he actually made him. I mean, it worked for the song. I, I don't know if he just sang it regularly that it would have. I can't. Hit. I can't hear it without hearing that terrible accent. No, but it does it does enunciate every and you might want to learn it note from note, but you do remember it note from note, note for mm-hmm. note. It, it it's and I think that's where the problem sort of begins. I mean, the message itself, don't worry, be happy. Did you read where this might have come from? Yeah, from the the that guru. Um some Indian guru, it? which may or may not be true. It it seems like it probably is true um, because apparently there was a lot of that message going around at the time Um, where he actually saw it may or may not be someone or someone else's apartment on a poster or it could even be a bumper sticker like apparently it was a pretty common message that became it certainly I'm thinking it's the live laugh love of the 19 early 1980s yeah, the only difference is I don't know that Don't Worry, Be Happy got appropriated by uh, by white married women who, who are all sort of Karen-ish. Yeah, that's, that is the, uh, the Karen theme for sure. Yeah, I wonder how that's, it's so weird because it doesn't even go together, but that's, I guess, what Karens are. We live, laugh, love as long as you're not infringing on me. <laughs> so uh yeah so he's got a really odd accent mm-hmm. um he has the the message uh, so don't worry be happy sure okay good message depending on what you're worrying about it is and but it really falls into the this toxic positivity thing that comes out a lot interesting um I found that there's a lot of that, and it's 
it's the world of Instagram and social media where we put out all the best things and we ignore all of the shit show that's going on. And there's these just insidious messages of like, only accept happy. Just if you, if you're put happiness out into the universe, it will come back to you and only be light and love. And it really is, um, damaging to people who legitimately have problems in their life. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be depressed. You're allowed to want to scream into the void sometimes. So a message like, oh, don't worry, be happy. Oh, you're losing your house. You lost your job. Don't worry, be happy. Now that's a real good time when you need to worry and come up with a plan. And and I'm, I'm trying to separate like everything like I do believe that the most important currency in life is not money, it's happiness. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Saying, saying that, just something this hollow with zero context. Landlord says uh, your rent is late, we might have to litigate. Yeah, that's a pretty good time to worry. You're going to be out in the streets, you're going to be kicked out. And I, I thought back to, again, the time of this song, because we, we talked last week about with Wham, which was four years earlier, but we're still now at the tail end of the Reagan era. Interestingly yes. enough, uh, Bush, Bush Sr., I read uh, Bush Sr. used this for his, uh, for his campaign. He did. And then he, he changed it pretty quickly when Bobby McFerrin came out uh, um, as supporting, well, a said, no, I didn't give you permission to use my song. Mm -hmm. And then also came out publicly supporting the liberal candidate. Which big shock a celebrity does that. That's not typical. Oh, sorry, Democratic candidate. I forget yeah. that I'm Canadian and I use different terminology. Yeah. Well, still a liberal, more liberal candidate. Yep. So yeah, so that was um, interesting. Well, then the video itself, I think, was also what propels this to number one. You've got Bobby McFerrin, who nobody knows for the most part. Another guy named Bill Irwin, who I didn't know who the hell he was, except I did see him on a Cosby Show episode. Where he pretty much did the same shtick. So you've got this comedic pratfaller who can just think on his feet. This beatboxer, not really a beatboxer, but this vocal this vocal genius who can come up with anything almost on the top of his head and one of the greatest improv comedians of all time. And that's with the big star of Robin Williams. And Robin, I, I think a lot of people remember the, the end, end of the last few years where he wasn't super successful. Everything he touched turned to shit. We don't want to remember that, but it was kind no, of this true. This music video was on the heels of um, Good Morning Vietnam. Like this was his prime, really. Um, although you could say Mrs. Doubtfire, but I mean, he's dressed in drag in this movie too, or in this video. Well, was he? I mean, what the hell was he wearing in that first thing? It looked Don't like something know. from an African comes back in it later too. Uh, I, I didn't know what the hell that was. So this entire video, they're kind of acting out the song in different ways, and they're just hamming it up. Like, it's three guys goofing off in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. I 
I wouldn't put it past my 10 year old nephew to put out something like that. I wonder how many takes they took. I was trying to find it and I couldn't. I was trying to find where they even met Robin. I found where Robin went, met, Robin apparently met Bill uh, in Malta. So I guess, you know, celebrities sort of like just meet each other. Or, well, I guess he's, Bill, from what I can see, like he's a celebrity in his own, like he's an icon in his own genre. Uh, just, mm -hmm. I'm still not even sure what genre that is, to be blunt. <laughs> yeah, so they just make this super yeah. corny. So Bobby McFerrin sitting in a chair in a white tuxedo, barefoot. because, you know. And singing. And then between the three of them, they kind of act out in like the different scenes, yeah. the different verses of the song. And in between, they're just goofing off. That, that's it, that's that's all they're doing. That's it. Uh, yeah. Life's not bad. Of course, it's not bad for you three. But Which is kind of ironic considering Robin Williams committed suicide, but. Well, it, it really is. It, it, I, ne I never even thought about that until now. That he was in, like, because he's been dead. He's God. When did he die? Six years ago? Something like that. Maybe a bit more. Even I'm trying to remember, because I remember my coworker was saying, uh, like, they wondered if the guys from uh, the, if the writers from Family Guy felt bad, because on that one episode where they just ripped the shit out of Robin Williams. Oh, I don't know that I saw that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, everything Peter touched turned into Robin Williams. And then he essentially had to kill, he, he couldn't stand it anymore. Because these are really three guys who'd be the most fun at a party until, okay, the party's over, go home. <laughs> Especially when Robin was in his coke days. Which, looking at this video, looks like that might be the case, but. Could have been. I. I <laughs> I mean, I certainly know my Robin movies from the 80s. He had that thick mustache on, and that's what he wore in Cadillac Man. So that's also like when he, he was so, he was in that rare air. If he was, if he was in the movie, people were going to give it a shot. Until, mm -hmm. was it Toys, I think, that sort of ended that? Or was it Hook? I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. yeah, there was some crap. But uh, yeah, so... I I got a question for you though, since what? I always sort of like go through uh, through things here. Uh, so I think we can both agree that Robin being in the video helped propel this to get eyeballs on it. Does the fact that this is not a black hip hop guy, this is a clean cut black man in his late thirties who doesn't look harmless. So let's go back to, or sorry, who looks harmless. Because uh, we all, we wind up talking about race on the show, so let's just we might as well do that here. This is right, right around when Public Enemy first came out. Just a lot of hardcore hip hop. Well, here's the safe black man with his white friends. Because this is not a song that I, I imagine. I, I didn't check on this, but I can't imagine this doing well in the R and B, getting R and B play. I don't think it did. I don't know, but I I don't think it did that well. And I'm not um, implying that Bobby said, I'm, I'm gonna make an album for a white audience. I think Bobby does whatever Bobby wants to do. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this this album, all of it, was meant to be commercially successful. I think it was kind of a push by the record company to get something that's going to sell. And I mean, after the success of this song, he could do whatever the fuck he wanted for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And he did. Which he did. And he, he was quite us. successful with it, continued to be successful, still is. Um, and he moved on to uh, becoming a, a guest conductor, basically. Did you watch any of the stuff that he, he's been doing lately with the improv and things like I did, that? But I mean, like then, it, then it's just like, oh God, I mean, it, I don't find it entertaining. It's like, I know, I know it's massively skilled, but so is uh, someone who can belch really good. A little bit different, but uh, I get what you're saying. It's not your thing. No, it's not my thing. Uh, I respect the hell out of this guy. I think he'd be really entertaining. Do I really want to sit through two hours of this? Oh, God, no. No. So if we go back to how the hell it got to number one, Mm -hmm. he booted wasn't it Aerosmith wasn't it oh GNR Guns N' Roses yeah out of the top spot so you go from Sweet Child of Mine okay can can I do my my axle yeah okay for for those just listening I'm doing a great thing on the YouTube thing it's just I nailed it did I did I nail it Andrea or did I just sound like I nailed the cat um cat (laughs) okay fair enough well i have fun i have fun on that's the important thing it's all about amusing ourselves that's why we're here right for sure oh wait till you see what i got next week but anyway (laughs) so uh so yeah i mean you couldn't go more polar opposite like but it's a novelty song Mm -hmm. right decade it's the right decade It's got a happy message. I honestly don't know how serious he is. I think it's just a campy, silly. He's making up a funny Mm -hmm. accent. He's the video is complete goofing off. And like, I don't know. I think maybe he's making fun of maybe it's tongue in cheek. Could be tongue in cheek. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't seem to have any inner. I mean, I've watched quite a few interviews with him, you know, in prep for this. And if there's any inner demon like Robin had, I don't see it. I don't either. So, I mean, it, it could be one of those things where, okay, well, this is, you want something cheesy, the record company, you want something that's good, that maybe it's going to sell. Okay, let's try something. And yeah. this isn't a bad message. I mean, maybe you're not, we're not meant to take it literally. I did see that this is a song on a lot of worst of lists, and it really shouldn't be. I mean, as much as I don't like it, I know you don't like it, uh, and a lot of people don't. I can't rate it as one of the worst because of its technical brilliance of this man. I can't. I agree. And I don't actually hate it, as long as I don't have to listen to it very often. I tried to listen to some, I listened to that whole album, except for the first song, because I remembered it note for note. So uh, the last track on that was pretty interesting. Uh, Sunshine of Your Love. I didn't think like, this is not going to work. It worked. Uh, There was also an interesting duet. I don't know when it was done. Him and Robin Williams doing uh, 
which Beatles song was it? Uh, Come Together. Mm -hmm. He also did a pretty good job of Baby You Can R Drive My Car. Yeah, I wasn't feeling that one. But it was, it was still, yeah. No, I mean, um, it, it's the, I will say for this, uh, for those who dislike it, who dislike that song, like I think Andrea and I do, listen to a few of the other songs on the album. It is, it really shows what this man can do. Uh, this song does show what he can do, but it's so, it's such, it's such a limited thing of, of what he's capable of, if you want to give that a shot. And if you don't, hey, I get it. Because I said I, I couldn't listen. I couldn't. I would not go to a concert of this guy. I couldn't do it. I was really enjoying a lot of his other stuff. Um, I found some of the um, what he's doing with with improvisations and with hmm. like massive choir improvisations to be very interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know about actually sitting through two hours of it. Um, but yeah. I did. Uh, I, I think he's exceptionally talented and has a unique style. Um, I also think part of the reason I hate the song is because of Big Mouth Billy Bass. Yeah, didn't they? Don't they do that? Isn't that one of the ones they use for that? Yeah. Yes. Another one that makes no sense. I mean, you're fish on the wall. You have, you're dead. So I did a bit of research into the Big Mouth Billy Bass and it made like a hundred million dollars. Oh, and he wrote that song. So he must have uh, lined Well, up. so there's, there's Al Green's Take Me to the River is like the other song, the more Al common Green. song. That's, I thought it was Walking Heads. No, I'm pretty sure it's Al Green. Maybe Talking Heads covered that and I'm mistaken. Well, it could time. be. Um, but I gotta look this up. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, yeah. I'm gonna... Original is Al Green. Huh. So apparently... I, I, was, um, I was gonna do the David Byrne. Can I do that really quick? Sure. And you may ask yourself, how did I get here? Done by Tony Basil. Choreographed. Throwback. That's, that's a callback to a previous episode. Yep. So, um, so apparently the Take Me to the River, mm -hmm. Al Green got more royalties for the Big Mouth Billy Bass version than he got for any other song. Awesome. That's so awesome. I would assume that, uh, that Bobby Bob McFerrin also did very well off of this stupid novelty gift. Yeah, so that if you watch an old Simpsons episode where it's just uh, they're making fun of Bobby and his new song, uh, I'm Worried Need Money, <laughs> isn't the case. Bobby's not nope. worried about nothing. Bobby McFerrin has an awesome life, does what he wants. Probably, I don't know how much different his life would have been if this didn't become a, a, a monster hit. Because he was he doing what he wanted anyway. extravagant. I think, like, I think he does all right still does all right um he's 77 i think now and yeah, but i think his career path would have been almost the same just it wouldn't have had that yeah he didn't try to do the the follow-up to the one hit wonder no. he didn't try to do anything to like change his life after this song it was just a one-off and 
he moved on with. Can you imagine the pressure he must have got from the record companies? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, what what do you what do you accomplish even before that? Even if he didn't even have that, just to be on stage and work with Herbie Hancock, uh, well, a, a pre-scandal Cosby. I mean, you can never forget how big that man was in the 80s and oh, how many yeah. doors he opened. Yeah. Or could close. Unfortunately, the doors should have stayed closed on him lately, but that's a different subject. <laughs> well, yes, that is. Um, but yes, he was, he would have been a massive force in, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess that kind of puts an end to this. Do you want to know what we got next? I do. Okay. What piece of shit are you serving up next week? Oh, this is bad. It's going to inspire you to get... It, you, sh you should find one of those bowl cut wigs. And I'm going to get a captain's hat. Captain and Tennille. Love will keep us together. <laughs> Love will keep us together. And, can I, and I, can do, I can do my impression of the captain. I'm, I'm just that's, that's your best impression of the day no I'm, for those listening i'm just st staring off into space that's all i'm doing because mm -hmm. the captain's a dork i always thought he was a dork <laughs> oh man captain and tenille captain and tenille oh yes i figured we had to get out of the 80s we did yep yeah and it's, it's a, a sort of a nice little parallel i've been i've been watching another youtube channel uh, just all about uh, British uh, British influential music of the '70s and early '80s, and what was going on in the Amer in, in the United States? Captain and Tennille. <laughs> all right, with that, everyone, stay safe. If you haven't checked out uh, some of the other shows I've got, we just recorded the great the sports classic sports review. It's when uh, the Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series. I'm, I won't won't I won't uh, tell you how it ends, Andrea. So. Actually, I did say that they won the World Series. Never mind. You did. I did. Yep. Also, uh, it's just already up on the YouTube channel. Uh, we looked at Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park on This Crap Was on National Television. Evan and I, we have our weekly show that keeps going. And Andrea is always here. She keeps coming back, no matter what dish of hot diarrhea I serve to her. Hey, you know what? I get equal opportunity to serve. This is true. This is true. Usually uh, you take a higher road than I do. I thought I was taking the low road this week, so. I, I, can, I can shit on the song. I can't shit on the guy. Uh, yeah. Next week, I, we can shit on all of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, um, I look forward to seagulling with you next week all, all right. over the Captain and Tennille. Nice. Stay safe, everybody. Bye.